this just in Elon Musk <laughs> didn't get the Twitter. He tried. Uh, he failed. Uh, that Musk. What do you got what do you got to say to that Musk, Tanya? Oh, when the Musk is that strong, nobody <laughs> wants it around. He's been getting that for years. I think that's probably why we've got Elon Musk as we have them today. I've talked on the show before about how people end up just being like their namesakes. That you get a, a guy named like Biwin, and then he's just gonna be covered in bees. <laughs> it's not true. I, I was like, wonder what there, where this is going. I had no idea. <laughs> the, the words were coming out of my mouth before. It didn't make any sense. I knew what they were. You're like, you went down a route that was so. <laughs> Yeah, just the worst route, right? Yeah. I just picked a word, a nonsense word, and then tried to make it work. You've got to do better like your son. Oh, yeah. My son did a a Pokemon video where he just looked at the Pokemon card and just instantly started naming them. Jaguar Judy. (laughs) Ali Goo Goo. Oh, I loved um, Cocoon Butler. (laughs) Do you know what I loved about your son, too, in that clip was he came up with words that were very specific and much more like higher grade level words than his kindergarten year. Like he had root words in the names that made sense with the picture, Mm. but were not at his grade level. So I was wondering if he used words because he knew them or if he's heard them and they felt right. Yeah, no one knows. And he can't (laughs) explain it and he would never do it the same way twice. He did that entire thing. And for those listening... Please check out the video. We'll put a link to it in the description here. It's doing pretty well for a video primarily made by a six-year-old, though our editor Daniel helped make it look so good and sound so good. It's like capturing lightning in a bottle with him. He just went for it. And like I was saying, he would never do it the same way twice. He could never come up with those exact names again. If we showed him Ali Goo Goo today... It would be... Something totally different. Yeah, sand trap poo-poo or something. A lot of poo-poos in there. Yeah, well, that was that was one of my favorite things. I also liked it when he got a little lazy, and then he just went on a string of just whatevers, and then he bringed it back in and was like, I'm bringing the real... He was like, <laughs> yeah. And only because he was so confident throughout. So we're, we're going to try to channel him. We're going to be so confident. Yeah, this today. is this is the confident speaker show where where we show up with confidence. So confident. We're the confident speakers. We're going to drive every bit into the ground with confidence. We're going to commit to these bits. Yeah. All our bits. Going to commit. Commit the bit. Yeah. Commit. <laughs> everyone to another episode of talking to women about video games i'm tanya and i'm jonathan and we're so excited to talk to each other about video games and pretend you're here in the room with us yeah sitting with us in this conversation about video games yeah you're here with us and all we want to talk about is Is video video games (laughs) unfortunately not very many Big, important things happened in video games in the past week. Cuphead got some excellent DLC. Vampire Survivors 
Got some excellent DLC. What is DLC? Down low. <laughs> down low, yeah. You're almost there. You're enjoying yourself. Please commit to that bit. Commit to that bit, please. Cunts. Download cunts. Da- down, <laughs> down low, low cunts. cunts. The down low cunts. cunts. Yeah, it's it's your high school band. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very popular name. Though you wouldn't be able to play at the Battle of the Bands in the high school if you said to the principal... I'm in the DLC. They'd be like, what's that stand for? No, they wouldn't. They're too... I disagree. I played okay. in the Battle of the Bands with my band, Johnny Holmes and the friggin' Speed Bumps. And they said, <laughs> take out the friggin'. Oh. It's a little too strong. But you know who won that Battle of the Bands? The friggin' Speed Bumps? Absolutely not. We were not allowed to play. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just remembered. It was a band called Raw Talent. Oh, fuck them. Yeah. Those self-righteous, pretentious pricks. <laughs> They're so mean. My friend Andy was in Raw Talent. He was, oh. <laughs> he was the, 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 the bass player. Oh. And they sang a song called Tacos and Melons. During the show? Yeah, and then they threw actual tacos and melons into the crowd. Is that why they won? Because it was it an audience voting system? It's a great question. I don't think so. And I'll never know the answers. And I have to get back to talking about video games. But that was a wonderful, Sidebar, wonderful, yeah. wonderful tangent. A wonderful tangent. So the biggest news, I think, in video games was... GameStop and Game Informer. What? GameStop the store. Yeah. Game Informer the magazine that essentially works for the store. The The Game Informer stop now. (laughs) Game Informer was a magazine that existed before GameStop, if I remember correctly. And now it is essentially on its way out. They laid off almost all their staff. They laid off a bunch of high-level GameStop staff. You know, last year, if I remember correctly, because... Time is just a blur. It's just a constant mess. We don't know what was this year and what was 10 years ago anymore because we're still in a pandemic. Because you're and, old. Yeah, that's Time's true different too. when you're old. That's true. That's true. That's true. GameStop had a rebound because of fake inflated stock prices that worked. And that seems to have worn off because now the company isn't doing too good. And their magazine, though, technically still going to exist it's almost dead, and it's a little sad to see a print magazine that's been around for 20-something years on the verge of death. So I think the theme of this episode is probably going to be how times change, do things get better, do things get worse, and is there ways to get the best of both worlds? I wonder about that. Oh, I think so. Yeah? You gotta just put yourself into it. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's, that's all you gotta do? Yeah. <laughs> you make Simple. it so. Life is not that. It, but, uh, just, just, that's like saying just be yourself. And, or, you know, um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a walk. You'll feel better. <laughs> Smile. You smile more. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I put myself in. It's crappy of me to say. No, it's fun. It's hopeful. That you think so. if you just put yourself into it, then maybe it'll work out. I hope so. That's what our first guest, the. Clockwork Prince, who hit me up on Twitter to, to give me a hot tip, hmm. a hot video game news tip. And then I said, uh, do you want to just talk about it on my show? And the Clockwork Prince said, yes, I do. And then something like 40 minutes later, we're having this conversation. Very nice. The Clockwork Prince, the cogs turn and see how they 
I just yearning for the end of crypto shit. So I'm here with the Clockwork Prince. We were talking on Twitter seconds ago, and I suddenly said, why not be on my podcast? And I'm so grateful that they were willing to give it a try. Clockwork Prince, thank you for being on the show. Hello. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you for even letting me on because oh. ooh, things happened today. Yeah, I know. What a, what a weird world we're in. So how would you describe yourself to the listeners who want to get to know you briefly and get a sense of who we're talking to today? Well, I would describe myself as a non-binary hobbyist indie game dev, which basically means that I make games for free and put them online for people to play. And yeah, I just hope they enjoy them. That's basically it. Just the best. And you have a game called Lavender, which is getting really rave reviews. People saying they're shocked that it's free and that it is (laughs) heartfelt, quirky, and leaves so much to interpretation and also to player choice. If you play this game a certain way, it can get pretty spooky. Other ways you can play it, it's it's seemingly fear-free. So so tell us a little bit about what inspired you to make that game. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't really know you did that much research before getting on the call. Oh. But <laughs> basically what inspired me to make it, it was actually a bit of... Um, bout of sudden inspiration, which I do not often get. But Mm. in 2016, there was a horror game jam on Edge.io, and I had already worked for nearly a month on a first idea that I really liked, but I had trouble visualizing how it would all come together and what I would ultimately want to do, what would it play like where to go what's the goal i had trouble with it and then Mm. suddenly i was thinking well i think this idea is too big so i got to thinking like sometimes people take all fairy tales and basically make retellings of them to make smaller horror game projects And I thought, well, there's some fairy tales like Little Red Riding Hood is a really common one. But I thought, what if I took the Rapunzel fairy tale, but gave it a unique spin? Hmm. So basically, you play as Lavender, the titular character. Mm -hmm. And you are basically sort of like Rapunzel, who is locked up in a tower. But you still have your mother, who is... So that kind of implied to be actually the witch who Mm -hmm. visits you now and then. Mm -hmm. And on one of your birthdays, you have your mother read a story to you and you get a present. But then uh, it's a comb. Mm. And when you use a comb to comb your hair or, well, at least the character uses the comb, it actually drops out of your hands. And you want to go get it, but it drops out of the tower. So you have uh, a motivation to go down and try to see if you can find it again. But because you're locked in the tower, there's all kinds of puzzles, all kinds of magical shenanigans that are in your way before you can get it. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what the basic premise is. So much there so many opportunities for trouble and mystery the rapunzel myth is one that so many people who have a lot inside them but are are trapped with it and also have 
certain expectations put upon them by society, by parents, what mm-hmm. have you, really relate with. So it's a game I urge people to really give a shot to, but do not buy it with cryptocurrency on a weird website that suddenly appeared called witch dot something is that it It, with a e that's a three um if you know the site itch.io where i actually host my games there is now some sort of web three otherwise shortened to w3 w3 that is now trying to impersonate itch.io. And while I haven't exactly seen them already trying to sell games yet, they do have several uh, free games made by hobbyists, devs like me, some uh, in the English spheres online, but I've also seen a German game and some Japanese games. So they might be from all over the internet, I'm not sure. But those games were taken and uploaded, and I'm not entirely sure if this is done by just users from the site who are um, just separate from the development team of the site, or whether it's people who are actually trying to make the site a thing. But either way, I find it very, very troubling, Mm. because if you're starting a new site and immediately the first thing that happens is a whole lot of unconsensual uploads of people's hard work even if you're not asking money for it that's kind of i don't know it bothers me quite a bit and it's also bothersome in the sense that a lot of these devs just have never even tried to make money off of their games Mm -hmm. but this is a site made to tie into web3 technology you know blockchain uh, cryptocurrency nfts i've seen all those things mentioned in regards to the site i don't know to what extent they are planning to integrate those things but i can tell that they do want to monetize the site and i personally just do not really approve or otherwise even like the idea of, well, these websites that try to make cryptocurrency profits. So for me, it's like you are using a game that I've put a lot of work and love into to advertise your your crypto marketplace. And I just am not comfortable with that because I haven't really gotten involved at all with it myself. So well put. For a little more context for folks listening, Mm-hmm. Number one, I think I'm laughing at myself because I thought it was witch.io, but it's web3itch.io. Well, so obvious. It doesn't say web3 in full. And the avatar that gets used by the site on Twitter is kind of a witchy anime girl, but I'm like 99% sure that they just got it off of Google or some <laughs> artist profile. Yeah. So, I get why you'd have that association because it's almost like witch.io, but there's a three between the W and the I. Yeah, witch.io. So so regardless of my mistake, they Mm -hmm. are on Twitter. You sent me this amazing thread where they launched a poll 
asking if you'd be <laughs> interested in a in a itch like website that they've already launched with different design principle and crypto stuffs, aka micropayment tips, DAO token, decentralized storage, and NFT passport. They've gotten a thousand votes on it. Ninety seven percent say never. They have, I think, 24,000 Twitter followers already. But in this thread, they go on to admit, oh, we only have 200 legitimate followers. The other 20,000 are fake. They they are just ass out. It's like stumbling upon this thread. I'm going to make an analogy on -hmm. the fly here. It's like if somebody was just sticking their ass out of a car window (laughs) and poop is just flying out of their butt and it's splattering all over the floor splattering on people's faces and out of the other car window they're yelling do you like this am i doing this right like no no one likes you stealing the itch (laughs) it it looks like if you go to their website it it looks exactly like itch but my computer thankfully blocked me from actually doing anything on it because it was automatically filling my computer with all sorts of background programs and whatnot they're stealing games and then floating the idea of selling them for cryptocurrency without anyone's permission. So anyway, I digress. You get my point. <laughs> As someone who is not profit motivated, mm-hmm. how do you feel about suddenly having your life connected in even the most minor way with someone who is clearly only profit motivated and thinks that everyone else is and therefore thought, oh, well, no one will think this is bad because we all just want to steal other people's stuff and make money. That's That seems to be the way they think. They assume everyone else is like them and you are the opposite of them. So what is it like to, to suddenly be in any way engaged in this person's life? Well, Something that I always kind of try to remember is like often when it comes to cryptocurrencies and all kinds of things that are related to it, like NFTs and whatnot, often the motivator for the people involved with that seems to be money and greed. And well, I'm just not about it. So for me, it's like, I have trouble kind of getting into that headspace where I think, yeah, I want to be the person who makes all the money. But I also think that a lot of people involved in that kind of world think there's basically always people out there who are trying to get rich or to scam you. So I better be the first person to do it so Mm. I can reap the profits. That's often how I personally interpret this kind of thing. Like trying to get your foot in the door first so you're the person who gets the most reward out of it. That's how it often feels. And it's a bit disgusting if my hunch is true. But, you know, I think sometimes people genuinely have good intentions when it comes to cryptocurrencies and and all that kind of thing. But often I feel like they're just not needed to make a better world out there and to make it easier for people to get you know to get access to fun games for example Mm -hmm. because i've seen the argument float around that countries like russia that are under sanctions by the us and uh, big international organizations like nato and such i don't know the exact legality of it but 
Some countries have trouble paying for games online. I've seen that argument floated, but then I start thinking, this site is uploading freeware games. <laughs> and as you can guess, you don't need to pay to play at least my games. So that argument falls apart for me because like there was never the issue of not being able to pay. So why is it so important that my game is accessible on a site where people can use alternative payment methods? I don't understand it. <laughs> I wish yeah. I, I could talk to you about this all day. I'm going to try to sum up my interpretation of it based on what you're telling me as best I can. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like you are like a beautiful ocean fish who eats algae and wants to spread your wonderful colors for all to see throughout the ocean. And a shark shows up and it's just gonna eat you. And you're like, I wonder if that shark maybe secretly has a good motive. Maybe, maybe it's not so bad. There's an innocence to you and the situation that is just endlessly charming. And the shark too is innocent, but it assumes you are also a shark. Everyone's a shark. And it's like, this is what we do, right? We just eat everybody else and whoever's the biggest shark wins, I guess. And the shark is looking at you, maybe puzzled, thinking, well, uh, of course it knows I'm going to eat it. That's okay. It's just how should I eat it in a way that I end up gaining the most from it? And you're like, shark, maybe you secretly just want to be beautiful and innocent and leave people alone. And it's like, can I eat you now? And we'll see how this plays out. <laughs> I'm hoping they just immediately get NDA'd or sued or what have you and, and stopped. But the fact that going by how they're acting online, this, this account, they mm -hmm. seem totally oblivious to the fact that they're being awful. And sometimes when the perpetrator of awfulness is unaware of it, everyone else is like, maybe they're not being awful. They seem to not even know they're doing, they're just hiding in plain sight and saying, yeah, yeah I want to just sell other people's free games for cryptocurrency. How can I do it best? Is what they're, it's just uh, utterly bizarre and telling of where we're at with a lot of things in games these days. Yeah, I don't know if they're directly trying to sell it or if it's just uploaders who are... Well, just I mean, they're saying, like, how about micropayment and tips and DAO token? And they're, they're, really, they're really talking about some some money exchanges there with other people's games. And if they had asked you even, I'm sorry, your, your <laughs> innocence and optimism about people is just unyielding. You're like, well, maybe they're not trying to sell it. Though it does say NFTs on there. So eh, I, those, those usually I, aren't free. I do value being accurate about this because like, to be yeah. honest with you, I do not want to be sued for defamation. <laughs> Oh, I'll, they'll sue me first. I'll, I'll take the uh, the brunt of that lawsuit and, and leave you out of it. We're uh, out of time already, Clockwork Prince. Oh, I could talk to you for so long. What a pleasure it is to, to suddenly have you on the show. And you are certainly invited on again when we have more time to just talk about whatever your latest projects and whatnot might be. Is there anything you want to leave folks with before we sign off? Phew. Well... <laughs> I think the most pertinent thing to say here is 
don't let yourself be fooled by pretty stories about crypto. Mm. I do not currently have a project where a release is imminent. I've kind of been in um, development hell with a bigger project I've been trying to make. So I'll leave the plugging for now for my own stuff. But just be very careful if you are someone who likes to buy crypto and such, be careful because there's a lot of rug pull scams out there. Mm. And I just don't want people to get victimized by greedy people who are just out to get your coin and do not care about your well-being. So that's what I'd say. I'm so glad you said it. And I want everyone to give you a lot of money now because you're the kind of person I'd like to see get rich. And we will certainly put links to where people can follow you on Twitter and find your games in the show notes of this episode. And thank you so much for being on. Well, I'm going to disappoint you. I do not have a way to donate money to me. So instead, what I'm going to tell you is fund abortion rights access go donate to funds that are arranging abortion access for people who are now getting fucked over in the United States. That's what I'll say. Don't donate to me. Donate to the people who need an abortion. That's all. I I want you to be my next American president. And thank you so much. (laughs) I do not qualify, but thank you. I don't care. (laughs) I'm going to make it happen. Thank you so much. And so, dear listener, this is where we parted ways with the Clockwork Prince, at least for now. Wishing them well and hoping they reap the greatest of rewards for their wonderful heart and deep commitment to goodness. So after we recorded that, the Clockwork Prince gave me two updates. One, that website, we3web3itch.io is down but with the promise that they're going to try to come back in some way. So it's nice that that didn't work or that they maybe learned to not do that. There, there was hope in our hearts that they would learn. And the other update was the Clockwork Prince asked me to do one of my old school style acoustic intros and outros for them. And I did my best. I was quite you rusty. You did it? I did it. I did my best. You've already done it? I've already done did it, yeah. Oh, that's really groovy. <laughs> Sorry, I've been drinking wine a little bit tonight. It's fun Jonathan showed up. You feel so loose and relaxed and confident. I just, no, I just, I think I think everything's great. I know, you feel a little euphoric. It's so nice to, uh, to see that. Yeah, I, I think... That's what happens before I have the next one when the tears come. Oh, yeah. so it's and what what about the one after that? Sleep. Sleep. So it's joy, tears, sleep. Yeah. That would be the name of a cool band. That would be like a Kate Bush cover band you could star in in high school. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. You're a good singer. You'd be good. Oh. So back to high school, back to euphoria, back to sort of an uncensored wildness. We have the latest, biggest piece of video game news for me, personally anyway, of the past week or so was the formal announcement that to celebrate the 10th anniversary of a classic video game, not Hotline Miami, but close in a way, Lollipop Chainsaw. Chainsaw. I knew it was going to be Lollipop Chainsaw. You did know it. Yeah. 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 It's coming back. They're going to remaster it. 
For next year. So oh. it's going to miss the birthday. But they did the announcement on the 10th anniversary, roughly. So nothing new, just a remaster? No one knows. There's well, going to be new features, I'm sure of it. They said we're going to do the graphics a little more realistic this time. Oh, that's fun. Is it? What does that even mean? That what? It was a fairly realistic game in the first place. However, it was also a game where a zombie would jump through a window and say, I want to fuck your father. Whoa. And you're like, I guess I, I accept that I'm playing this game. <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, I think there was a, a zombie that just goes, this is ass, and then explodes. So how do you make that realistic? How do you make the, the, the zombie? Oh, I bet there are ways. Do you want them to? <laughs> I, I, I would watch. You would watch. That exploding ass zombie. Yeah, it's not. The ass doesn't explode on the zombie. There's oh. a lot of zombies with explosives attached to them in the first level for some reason. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really understand that. But beside the point, Dragami, I believe the name of the company is, is a new company. And this is one of the first games they're doing made up of prior staff of the company who made Lollipop Chainsaw, but it gets very, very confusing. So brace yourself, and I'll be as brief and succinct and and, and sunny as I can with this. Mm. Sunny and succinct. <laughs> it's not really. Uh, I wouldn't sum myself up with either of those two words. So the original concept of the game, my understanding, came from Suda51, who's been on this show before. But the game was actually bankrolled by Katakawa, I believe, a different company who said, we own the rights, but we will pay Grasshopper to work on it. And I've also heard rumor that Tim Rogers, who now does videos on YouTube, <laughs> where else would he do that? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm so giggly no, this no, time. I know, it's fine. I'm glad someone's enjoying it. So I think he, he implied that he came up with the real root idea, which was like, take Travis uh, touchdown from from No More Heroes and make it like a cute girl. I, mm. I've heard rumor. Mm. I think he even told me that, but I can't remember enough, so I'm just calling it a rumor. And then Warner Brothers got involved. And they were like, we smell money on this one. So they published it outside of Japan, and they got famous voice actors like Michael Rooker in there. Yeah, good they... old Rook. <laughs> Is he famous to you, the Rooker? You have no idea no. who that is. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn is the big name talent that they got involved by today's standards. James Gunn did both Guardians of the Galaxy's movies and the more recent The Suicide Squad movie and The Peacemaker Show. He wrote the whole script. Of The Peacemaker Show? He wrote most of that script. He directed The Peacemaker Show first episode, like last couple episodes. It was his concept. And he wrote the whole script for Lollipop Chainsaw. Oh, okay. So that, I want to fuck your father. That's oh, all that from the, him. that's the Guardians of the Galaxy writer. The, wow. The family-friendly Marvel romp. So before he did that, he did this. So they've said James Gunn is not going to be involved with this remaster. Suda51 is not involved with it. It's just the people from Katakawa, if I'm remembering their company name right. And they're going to remaster it and do God knows what to it. And people immediately said... What if they censor it? What if they try to make it woke? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the game, Tanya. Yes, Jonathan. One of the first things that happens is the star of the game, Juliet Starling, her boyfriend, Nick, gets bit by a zombie. 
And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to turn into one of those monsters. And she's like, don't worry, Nick, I got this solved. I'm going to suck the venom out. Other way around. She cuts his head off. Oh. (laughs) And then does some sort of magical stuff. So his head can survive as basically like a handbag slash jangle, like a, a, a bangle. A little dingle dong. How does she hold him on her wrist? She's got a little strap and it attaches to her belt. So His he, head? Yep. So His he, talking head? He just chats with her. He becomes the perfect boyfriend. He gives her compliments. He kisses her. They have a wonderful conversation. I, I, you know what I'm thinking about. And at one point in the game, she's like, this is perfect for sex because the part I like the most we're still doing and he's like sure baby like he's just uh wow so it was pretty woke if you want to call it that early on for juliet turning around any sort of sexual objectification that you may guess that a sexy teenage girl in a cheerleader outfit's doing she literally objectifies her boyfriend and keeps him as a accessory on her belt yeah and the zombies that try to objectify her she just carves them up. Anyone who tries to treat her like a piece of meat, she returns the favor and cuts them up like meat. So the game is already pretty feminist and progressive, though it also had a fair amount of like ass shots and whatnot. I see. Yeah. When I played the game, I played it largely with a costume that made Juliet look like Ash from Evil Dead. Oh, Which cool. was a bonus. So when there was shots of her bending over, it was just bloody khakis, pants. It wasn't like that sexy. So I didn't even notice how objectifying it was the first time around. But Suda51 did say, "Eh, I felt a little uncomfortable when they made a clam suit bikini outfit for her that makes her basically nude. All my game creations are sort of like my kids. So seeing Mm. my daughter, my game creation daughter dressed up like that and to be oogled, he wasn't a total fan. So people are worried that this game is going to be censored. For the the new audience, I think the opposite's going to happen, Tanya. You think it's going to go rogue, get really wild? I think because they don't have Suda and they don't have James Gunn, they're like, what do we got? Well, we got the ability to, to make it sexier and hornier. And there's a lot of Juliet Starling porn out there, both computer animated porn and like people just dressing, dressing up, up like her. the character. Yeah, so I think they're going to double down on the horniness because that's kind of all they got. At this point. I think they're trying to sell it that they've got the graphics. I know, but they don't. <laughs> it's just the dumbest. So the, the game was never a big budget thing, even when Warner Brothers got involved. Then the game came out and the graphics were not impressive. Hmm. They're fun, but they've got a low, a low budget, crunchy punk rock thing that people associate with... Uh, associate? People <laughs> associate with Suda51. So... So yeah. People associate with soda. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not going to have more money now. They don't have Warner Brothers to help them anyway. And they're sort of a new company. So there's no way they're going to be able to afford to make it look impressive. So what do they got except horniness? And I'm going to say something that will make a lot of people mad if they get this far into the podcast. Oh. People are worried they're going to censor it. I think they should censor it. I think they should censor the hell out of that shit. Censor it. Censor the game. Why? (laughs) 
censor it. You're you're so emphatic yeah, about know, this, and just, you're like loving I'm, it. I'm committing to the bit. The, oh. the <laughs> yeah, I don't really care if they censor it, but here's a reason why, or some reasons why, maybe they should censor it. Number one, the first boss in the game, and a lot of the music in the game is by a band called Mindless Self Indulgence. Uh huh. Lead singer is named Jimmy Urine. That was fun 10 years ago. Punk rock. He smells like urine. This is great. Last year, Jimmy Urine was credibly uh, accused of having sex with underage girls and trying to get the girls to act even younger than they were. Like, why don't you act like you're like 10, even though you're 14 or whatever? The texts are in the lawsuit. I've seen the texts. They're on RollingStone.com. So, jury's still out. But I am Looking convinced. pretty bad. I'm convinced, yeah. I was convinced about a lot of stuff that happened in certain courtrooms that I won't get into now. And I was right about those two, and I'm right about this one. I'm pretty confident. So, little Jeremy Urine, little Jeremy, little Jeremy Urine, <laughs> he should be cut and replaced with Stephanie Sterling. Oh! And we will do the music for, for Steph to, to sing in the, in the game. That's my vote for one yeah. piece of censorship. Piece of censorship number two. <laughs> Who's I'm the, the one, one that's been I drinking? I didn't drink a drop. <laughs> I'm just tired. I'm done, done with talking today, but got a podcast to do here. So piece of censorship number two I nominate for this video game. The game, if you haven't played a Tony, you wouldn't necessarily know. You got a chainsaw. You're cutting up zombies. But... On top of the blood, there's also like sparkles and rainbows and like fun stuff that people would consider quotes girly, unquotes. Do you want it to be all that stuff? Make a version. I'm not saying this is the only version out there. But if you sell a, uh, uh, what is the sugar and spice and everything nice? Spicy, sugary and spicy. I guess that would be it. It would be sugar version. And spice version. Spice version. Spice, spice version. is all bloody. Yeah. go. Sugar version is confetti and... And and phloam. That's right. People would buy both versions for sure. And as I've come to learn with a six-year-old who is demanding to play No More Heroes 3 the other day, just loves it. Suda actually makes games that work really well for kids. And then I have to go in and turn off the blood mode, and then I have to turn off the voice acting and blah, 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 because the voice acting has a lot of swears in it. If they just made a version for kids, that thing would make money. Make the M-rated version, too, for adults, too. But you can't sell it. You're an- brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I know people will buy two versions of things when they're passionate about well, the, could the you, thing. Well, could you just sell one game and have option A or option B? If they want to make money, they should not do that. But, yeah, absolutely. That's you could the sell- way I feel like it was in the good old days. The problem with that is if you sell a game that has the option to make it appropriate for six-year-olds... You still have to rate it M because you can't guarantee that once you get it home, you're going to elect to use those options. Right. So you have to sell a version that is impossible to play with the fuck your father mode and the blood and guts (laughs) mode. You would have to do a version of the game that all that stuff is off the disc or off of the download or whatever. And I think it would sell. I would buy both versions, especially if like each one came with like half of a poster or something. I got to stick both the posters together. Hmm. That would be totally worth it to me. It would be a lot of fun. And it would be such a weird, oh, they could do one of them limited. If they did the sugar version, limited edition, and only like 10,000 copies are made, 
that would they would sell for sixty dollars a pop right off the bat. And what's oh. sixty times ten thousand? It's like not bad. Six hundred thousand. Not bad. It's not bad profit deal off a, a limited run, and then the. So yeah, all the swears would be replaced with my favorite swear replacements from classic TV. Now people probably don't remember this because nobody has normal TV really anymore. Darn it. <laughs> Those? Not darn it. No. Not no no that wouldn't be that great. No offense. It would <laughs> be, be like applesauce. <laughs> wouldn't it be weird if I loved it when people said darn it? Wouldn't it be weird if I was like oh. <laughs> Such a classic line. Hilarious. <laughs> Darn it. Where do they come up with these things? I think we're unhinged And tell today. me more about applesauce. <laughs> what, why, it, what swear would you replace with applesauce? Asshole? No. Because like, those, like, other than the like, A. Uh, when somebody's like, shit, you, you could say applesauce. <laughs> about it is you want the, the you want the replacement word to look like like what the, shoot shit shoot for shit is all right but you you you, you see the eh mouth while you get the ooh sound oh. so it's not great one of my favorites watching this movie repo man that i absolutely love but i love it even more when it was edited for television uh specifically on the arts and entertainment station a and e they would take out motherfucker and replace it with melon farmer Oh. And it was so good. You melon farming piece of crap. You know, like classic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So many melon farmers in that version of the movie. And I nominate them to do that for this version too. I need to get a hold of the developer. I've got his email. Yeah, do it. Up. Gretchen, our, our prior guest on the show, is going to help me translate the email actually from English to Japanese. So that might still happen. Gretchen's been writing me very interesting emails. has been on a real journey of... Anxiety and sorrow, but also insight, and for me anyway, hope. Because with true realization of what's going on, comes the potential for a better world. So, oh, Jonathan. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to talk about someone who's coming next on the show, who is no stranger to self-censorship, but also becoming totally unglued and uncensored, and was talking like a sailor before swearing like a sailor i should say whoa before we started recording and i said swear more once we start and then she forgot and that's okay this is zilla my old friend gonna talk about all sorts of stuff okay (laughs) (laughs) they met in the magazine and now they're lifelong friends so I'm here with Zilla, someone I've known for, woof, I think I was 17. So it's, we're, we're heading towards year 30. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do not uh, remind. <laughs> I know, right? And we, we have stayed in touch off and on for all those years. And I'm so happy that you were able to take time out of your work day, no less, to jump on this call with me today. Zilla, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, John. This is my lunch break. Oh, good. <laughs> I am allowed to eat, so that's that's a nice way of doing it. I'm having John for lunch. That sounds terrible. <laughs> that's not what I meant. But you know, you know, you know what? Let's just go with it. Let's go with it. It's you sounded- <laughs> yeah, you know what a... my proclivities are these days so <laughs> i do and it's been so 
<laughs> so so fun to to watch them evolve. Lately, it's been Hannibal. It has you, been Hannibal for for a few years now, if I understand that. Yeah, I uh, I discovered. Well, okay, this is not fair to say I discovered it then, but like I knew about the show when it came out, but I didn't really pay it any mind. Mm. Um, other than me seeing like when it came out in like 20, 2013, I was at a different place and I would see advertisements for it. And I was like, oh, it's the scary man from Casino Royale who always cried blood. That's cool. And then I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And then years and years and years later, a few years ago, a buddy of mine was like, oh, you have to watch Hannibal. It's the coolest show. I was like, I remember something about it, but yeah, I'll watch it with you. He threw on a couple episodes and then I just never got back to it. But then the pandemic hit and Hannibal dropped on Netflix. And I was like, oh, it's that show with the scary man that my friend wanted me to watch. Mm-hmm. So I put it on and I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> And I was like, I'm so happy that COVID is here so I can watch Hannibal all day. Wow. So it was a little bit later. That's 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 so interesting. I want to get us started at the start, though. We met by finding each other through a print video game magazine, which is the kind of thing that doesn't happen today. But this was the late 90s. I can't remember which one of us started. I think you wrote a letter to a magazine saying, I'm open to pen pals. Yes, yes, because I was I was hungry for friends who liked fighting games. Yeah, that's right. And I was overjoyed, wrote in, I think, to the magazine, who then gave my letter to you or something like that. And then we wrote to each other pretty loyally. I, I feel like it was at least a letter a month for, oof, it was over a year, if, I, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, I don't remember the exact duration of time, but we were very regular pen pals and we would just gush over each other's fan art. And we would like come up with ridiculous scenarios for characters that we wanted to make in our own like fantasy fighting league. Oh, that's Uh, right. I still remember you made this Kappa character who was super cool because I didn't even know what a Kappa was. And Mm. you drew all these like almost like model sheet poses with him and you explained it. You're like, oh, it's like this um Japanese mythology sort of like a big turtle and it has like a dip in the head and like you taught me what a kappa was I never knew what that was and I just remember like gushing over your fan art oh that's so kind I I didn't remember any of that I remember how many cute and sexy guiles you could draw you You could cute he was it's you would draw big head little body guile now and again yes 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 yeah and then you would draw just like straight up hot guile like troublingly hot and i i was always so fascinated with the fact that guile is not positioned in street fighter 2 to be much of a a sex object or a sex symbol he you you don't see him showing off his bod in in that way no but you saw it you saw something in him that other people didn't see and you loved it i'm weird john (laughs) (laughs) i'm weird my first crush was Superman when I was five. I didn't know that. Yeah, like I started early. Um, (laughs) Yeah, when I was five years old, I was like, look at that cool, powerful man. I will marry him someday because five-year-old Zilla has these aspirations. My my kaiju persona, Mm. very tiny kaiju persona. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I hope it's okay to say this, but you are not a tall person by most standards. I'm sure you're not the shortest person you've ever met, probably. I have met tinier, but not mm-hmm. often. <laughs> but not often. So you went from Superman to Guile and then got into professional art, got into professional design, 
And yet on the side, you've evolved your taste in men that you draw up to Voltron. And now Hannibal, tell me about this arc of morality where you go from the pinnacle morality, Superman, to Guile, who is not the star of Street Fighter 2, but certainly an eye-catching, almost punk rock rebel with that haircut, to Stuff in the Middle, Voltron, and then like a literal cannibal. How did you, how did you land on cannibal as your new fave? I have no idea. I do not choose my obsessions. I do not have a say in the matter. They just happen and they happen completely arbitrarily. I do not know where they come from. I do not know how they happen. One thing that is really funny though, is one of my friends did notice. He's like, you like guys with big square heads, (laughs) (laughs) like big muscles and big square heads. And I was like, Professor Layton doesn't have big muscles. And he's like, a big square head. And I was like, oh, he does have a big square head. And he made like a mood board with all the crushes I've had. And they all had big square heads. (laughs) And But it's really weird. I do not know why I developed these attachments to very specific characters. And I guess apparently out of them having big square heads, there's no real rhyme or reason. Because like, here, I'll give you my whole dopey baby Zilla man crush track of fictional gentlemen from the start. I'd love to hear so, it. Yeah. When I was a teeny weeny, teeny weeny baby, I loved Superman. Mm. Superman. I think my next crush was all four Ghostbusters in varying capacity, taking turns. So all the Ghostbusters. Then it was Guile, which you were there with me for, for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I was with Guile for a while and Guile became, then went to Professor Layton mm. for several years, seven, I think. Wow. Uh, Shiro from Voltron for about the duration of the show, probably like four or five years. And then now Hannibal, specifically NBC's Hannibal Lecter, for God knows what reason. I don't know. I, when I, it, it, it's hard to describe because when I first watched the show and I was just watching it, just watching it, and I was absolutely hooked by like episode like three or four, just because the show is really, really engaging. Mm. Uh, It's really smartly written. It's wildly engaging. It's super smart. And I found the character of Hannibal to be fascinating. I was not hot for him. I was not interested in any way. I just thought he was so interesting. He was Mm. so cool. He was so creepy and gross and off-putting and yet, really really charming and fascinating and so like i just really liked the character i thought he was really cool and so i'm watching and watching and watching and by the end of it i was like that's really cool i love this character i love um his chemistry with the will graham the fbi profiler just because hannibal was this i have never seen two men written in the way that uh, NBC Hannibal's wrote Hannibal and Will, like mm. their relationship to each other, completely taking off like my shipping goggles or anything like that, um, just was so unique. It was a relationship that I haven't seen written that way ever in just most television shows that I've watched. And maybe I haven't seen enough shows, but it was fascinating because they just had this connection that seemed undefinable to me. Like it didn't feel like friends. It didn't feel like family. It didn't feel like romantic. It didn't feel sexual. It didn't feel good or healthy or bad. Or it felt like 
all of that and none of it all at the same time. Mm. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And I became just like fascinated with these characters. And I think it was just like upon talking to people who fanables in the fandom and just getting to like see their take on it and stuff like that. I think the shipping probably started there because I did not ship them before. I wasn't even attracted to them. I just thought they were really cool. And then one day, like, I think something in my brain was like, hmm, oh no, he's hot. And I was like, well, now what do I do? Well, time to weaponize the old fan art. <laughs> and now here we are. You've drawn, I believe Hannibal is a cat and Will, Will is more of a dog. Is he more of the dog Any type? Cat. It's Hanny Cat. Hanny Cat, who's a mischievous uh, scamp, hard to feel as though that cat cares about you, but is so darn cute. And you're, you're fascinated with the mischief. But of course, in, in the show, Hannibal has eaten people, if I, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. yes. He's eaten many people <laughs> and fed many people to other people. It's something that I also feel a fascination with and a disgust and also an interest in i wouldn't go as far as to say an attraction but i feel like hannibal is at peace with his own rejectable side he knows society would hate him if they knew who he really was but he accepts himself and he finds a way to navigate this world where he knows if anyone really knew who he was that would be a problem. And Will, on the other hand, and this is me talking as a real not Hannibal expert, so please stop me if I'm wrong about any of this. Will... I, I keep going because it is interesting to listen to every single person's perspective on this show because it is fascinating to me. Oh, good. Okay, I'll go a little longer. Will seems like people can read him pretty quickly. Like when he is bumming, when he hasn't shaved in a bit and he's schlubby, and he's like, I don't know if I could do this life. Like, I can definitely relate with him in that he's almost too smart for his own good, but not in a way that is all that manipulative. He's more of the empathetic thinker who gets how bad other people are and can get in their own head using empathy, but then can't always do anything about it. And I think a lot of super empathetic people such as yourself probably relate with that how he almost knows too much and it's sad whereas Hannibal he's totally free from a conscience and he feels friggin fantastic just like a cat Hannibal knows who he is and is completely sure of himself um like I don't have you watched the show much at all or just a few episodes here and there? I've seen a few episodes and I'm one of these jerks who feels like if I read the wiki article and like skim the synopsis, I get the gist, so I'll know what it's about. I would love to be able to watch the show, but it, it took me, I think, a month to watch one episode of Stranger Things. I just don't watch TV. You enough. are you you have a very busy personal life, and Hannibal is a very deep show, mm. um, and it takes time to mentally digest. Like it is beautiful, um, but it's not just an easy peasy like throw on a quick comedy kind of thing, digest one and done. Like it leaves you thinking for a while. Yeah. And one description that one of the characters in the shows used to describe Hannibal is they said, he is the devil. He is smoke. And I've always loved that line because Hannibal really is 
uh, Maz portrays him as basically the devil incarnate in a way, in the sense that he doesn't think what he does is wrong. He thinks everything is beautiful in its own way. And mm. he's very, if I can say cocksure of himself, he knows who he is and he's not ashamed of it. Um, whereas Will is struggling to know who he is and trying to accept deeper, darker inner demons that he has while still desperately wanting to be a good person. Mm. And you spend all that time in the heads of other killers, it starts to affect you. And for him, like he's fearful, like, oh, you know, I've got this deeper, darker side that I'm trying to repress because I want to be a respectable member of society and not a murderer. <laughs> and Hannibal's like, come on, come to the dark side, it's great here. It's great. It's so free. It's so free. You get to eat people. It's awesome. And their relationship is this wonderful, horrible cat and mouse that just develops over the course of the three seasons. And it's, it's like nothing I've ever watched before. So if you have the stomach for it and the time, give it a shot sometime. But I mean, that's the caveat I give to everybody. It is a very gory show, mm. but in a beautiful way, but it is dark. I would not watch it with your, with your child. <laughs> yeah yeah that's one of the main things is having time to watch a show when he is in bed and he goes to bed usually he's asleep by 10 but he is attached to me by the hip so it's, yeah it's no. very it's very sweet it's very fun it's very hard to watch Hannibal or anything yucky ever but times will change and I will be able to watch it someday and I want people to know that you made a Hannibal body pillow and I wanted them to buy it, but you told me it might be sold out. Unfortunately, my Hannibal body pillows are sold out. I have no more sexy Hannibal body pillows. If people want me to bring them back, I can consider it. And if I do, I'll send you one, John. You know you want a Hannibal body pillow to sleep with at night. <laughs> is what's he doing in that pillow again? Is he just looking good, or is he? Is he? He's just lying there. He's just lying there with blood on his face and a knife, as he does. <laughs> but your style is so charming, and it's perfect. Oh, thank it, it, you. It, well, it's true. It, it's the perfect fit for something like Hannibal, where if depicted in a realistic way, I might actually be scared. But you bring all the the heart warmth and and sexiness without any of like the the grit that would terrify me my son would probably cuddle that big man pillow and, and... well now i have to make one just to send it to your son <laughs> so I mean... cuddle my big horrible cartoon man <laughs> and he would have no idea and if i said he's a cannibal he'd be like oh really is he gonna eat me? I'd be like, probably not. Oh, okay. And then you just go back to it. He's he's uh, he's an innocent soul. Zilla, we're almost out of time. You're almost out of your lunch break. Anything else you want to share with folks before we we part for now? Well, I guess what I would say is this has been awesome. I love you. I have loved you from the start. I would love to do this again, just either as a recording or just chat as buddies, because you're the best guy. You've always been super cool. Um, just super friendly, super supportive. So call me anytime. If we want to talk again, happy to do it. And just for your audience members, John is a class act. I like, like he said, we've known each other for like decades at this point, off and on. And he has always just been a stand-up guy. He is super cool, super down to earth and like weirdly quirky in his own funny way. And he's perpetually handsome, no matter what. <laughs> no. Like, 
Whoa. say or think. I never, I never told you any of this, but I'm telling you now because you have to hear it and your audience has to hear it. You are a very handsome man. Oh, millions geez. of years ago when we first met, my father was worried about us because he was like, he, I think he thought that I was macking on you or you were macking on me, even though we were just friends. And he's like, you know, be careful and stuff. And I was like, John won't hurt me. Nice man. <laughs> but, I was sexy enough to scare your dad. That is so, that is such a wonderful compliment. Uh, yes, he was just like, oh, um, you know, like, you know, just, just be careful. Like, you know, like as a good father does. Yeah. Um, but you have been gorgeous from day one and you remain gorgeous. So know that and know that you are adored. Rendered speechless by my guest. Yes. Zilla, thank you so much. You're welcome. I love you. Love you too. It's the Dopey Baby Zilla Man Crush Track of Fictional Gentleman. Dopey Baby Zilla Man Crush Track of Fictional Gentleman. So it's rare that a guest ends a conversation with me by just really complimenting me hard. I was left a bit speechless and it meant so much because... Zilla has been in my life in one form or another for a long time, and I hope they always are in my life. I actually sent Zilla a birthday gift. I don't think she's received it yet, but she oh. is around my age, I believe, maybe a little bit younger. I can't recall. So I bought her the Capcom fighting game collection because we bonded. Our friendship started in our mutual love of the art of Capcom fighting games, and I drew her a card featuring her and Guile and Hannibal Lecter all getting ready to have a three-way kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's received it yet. I hope she likes it. It's not as well drawn as I would have liked. I was on borrowed time, barely able to scrape it all together as usual, but it was wonderful to be able to share that with Zilla. And if you haven't played the Fap Capcom fighting game collection, the Fapcom? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> It's not that. I'm so sorry. That's all right. My, my fucking loud. You're loving it. You're loving it. Laugh is go coming out. You're committing. It to happens. Bit. It's good. Oh gosh. The Capcom the fighting. The Fapcom, Kaibing fame collection. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. It's got a bunch of games on there you can't get anywhere else. It could be better. It's not the most tight package. There's some loose. Not at Fapcom. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> There's two versions of a game called Vampire Savior on there that they really didn't need to include those. They could have included the all-encompassing version of the game that has every character from the franchise in it. They didn't include that. A little bit of a downgrade. And the extra stuff, like the, the art and the timelines and stuff like that. Very bare bones. But still, great games on there. All the Darkstalkers games from the arcade. Warzard slash Red Earth is on there. Cyberbots is on there. Whoa. Super Gem Fighter. Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. This is my review of the game I'm suddenly doing. Do you want to do a product review? I do, I do, I want to do a product review. I do, 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 I do. I actually reviewed it for Nintendo Force. I forgot. So you're going to have to wait to read about what I think of it. Until you read Nintendo Force. And I guess that's the perfect time to go into our ending show plugs. Yeah. Our show ending plugs. I guess I'll plug Lock On is still out there. It's doing pretty good. That's the magazine where I interviewed Stephanie Sterling in Yacht Club Games and got some amazing illustrations from Maddie, who was a guest on this show. Wasn't she? She was, right? Yeah. It's all such a blur. And John Charles Holmes, who almost has the same name as me. He got in there and illustrated some stuff. Julia Minamata, 
as a guest on this show. She also did some illustrations for it. So if you've listened to the show for a while, geez, that's two out of the three artists I got on board were actual guests. It's almost this show. Trifecta. Yeah, trifecta. Along with Stephanie Sterling, who was also on this show. I don't know. How do you even, yeah. I almost forgot. It's like the holy trinity of guests. Yeah, in a magazine form. In a magazine. Yeah, and it's going to be. Plus you. Oh, yeah. I'm in there, too. It's doing okay. We made our funding, but this is not going to be like a mass-produced thing that you're going to see all over the place. These first runs are limited editions. They come with trading cards, including this card of Stephanie Sterling eating a sandwich that you're not going to get anywhere else after this. So if you like this show and you got the money to spare, I recommend you get the magazine. I don't think you're going to regret it. Not at all. It's actually 260 pages, so it's not really a magazine. It's more of a coffee table book, so... Yeah, I recommend you check that out. Nintendo Force, working on that still. It's a video game magazine. Much like the one I met Zilla in all those years ago. I wonder if there'll ever be lifelong friends that meet in the pages of Nintendo Force. I can hope so. And I think that's all I got to plug. Oh yeah, in Ryan's video where he makes up names for about 150 Pokemon on the fly. So many, he just kept going. So funny. He didn't run out of ideas. So I'll put the link to that in here too and that was edited by Daniel who also edits this show and he's a wonderful person yeah. and uh, we're making a lot of funny stuff together and I think that's I think that's about it for my plugs Tanya anything you want to plug are you thinking about getting Rufus on social media you want to start plugging oh in? I know you keep talking about it you sent me a video of that cat's face and I was I'm not a cat video guy I'm not looking him up I'm not I'm not someone who knows who Lil Bub is exactly I've seen him around on my friend's wife's t-shirts. She's, she's deceased. Yes, I, I, I vaguely wear this. My point is, I'm not an aficionado of cat media, and I am 100% sure that Rufus would, would win over... I... Uh, what do you call them? Uh, noobs or, or casuals? I'm a casual cat fan as opposed to a hardcore cat fan. Oh, God, he's... Totally, he's the Minecraft of cats. He's, he's gonna make a hundred million bucks. I wish that he would make me a hundred million bucks. You gotta bucks. put him on the social media. You gotta put him on the social media. <laughs> you gotta put him on social media. You gotta put him, on, put him out there. Nobody knows about him. I, I know. <laughs> sounds tough. You, you just take a clip, upload it, tweet it out. I think it's a lot of the times it's the TikToks that really get it going. TikToks get it going, you're right. And the, um, what else is it? Is it uh, Instagram? You don't know. <laughs> I forgot. Oh my. Wasn't that with Snapchat? Are they still doing that? You I just chat. I, uh, I think people do still snap. I don't know. <laughs> hey, well. I'm just wanting us to bring back Vine. Oh yeah, I know. It was so creative. It was so easy because you could tap the video and make it like you could really do stuff with it. Yeah, you could. And you can do stuff with TikTok too, but we are always going to want the one true thing, which is the original, the Vine. It was so much more functional. Yeah. And I forgot to bring it back to the the theme. I guess that's the theme of the show. Trying to take the best of the old, like Zilla and the Clockwork Prince and their classic games. Get rid of the new that sucks, like Web 3. And Elon Musk. I guess I I said if I just put myself into it. Yeah. And so and yet then I was like, no, I'm not gonna upload Rufus. But you gotta put yourself into it. You gotta commit to the bit. I'll commit to this bit with you every other week. Thank you. 
That's a start. For a while. Who could ask for more? That's right. Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please tell people about the show or don't. Listen again or not. We hope you do, and we love you, and thanks, as always. Bye. Talking to Women About Video Games is hosted by Jonathan and Tanya, with editing and production by Daniel. Music by Jonathan and Daniel. You can support the show and get exclusive bonuses on Patreon at patreon.com slash T-T-W-A-V. Thanks for listening. I have a hard time because I'm so collaborative. I need, I need that, that play. You need, I'm trying to be a playful puss and bat it around with you, but my problem is we're batting around a hairball that I barfed and I don't like it. I don't like my own balls. I don't like <laughs> hair and balls. I'm trying to be a playful puss. My problem is we're batting around a hairball that I barfed. I don't like it. I don't like my own balls. I don't like my own balls. I don't like my own balls. I'm trying to be a playful puss. My problem is. My problem is. My problem is. My problem is. I don't like my own balls. I'm trying to be a playful puss and bat it around with you. But my problem is we're batting around a hairball that I barfed and I don't like it. I don't like my own balls. I don't like (laughs) hair and balls. I'm trying to be a playful person. I'm trying to be a playful person.